Hello, 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 beautiful people. It's Madison. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode is once again with the very lovely, important, beautiful Emma. And um, in this episode, we talk about rejection, mainly. We do talk about other things. Of course, we talk about guys, like how can you not get two chicks together (laughs) and not talk about dudes? So that is mentioned. Um, There are a couple of maybe odd parts I guess in this episode I did have to cut some stuff out stuff that got a little too personal at least for this episode maybe I think later down the road we will release something else that speaks to what I cut out but as of right now you get the PG version (laughs) I do want to start off today's episode with a message that may be irrelevant but is still important to me at least Um, Anybody who's listening who is stressed the fuck out, who is going through exams or trying to find enough money to pay for rent, losing their job because of COVID, trying to find new housing. Maybe I'm just listing things that are going on in my life and what's stressing me out. But I know I'm not the only one. I know that there are plenty of people who are trying to keep themselves above water. And if you are going through the exact same thing, I'm with you. (laughs) I'm rooting for you. Cue Tyra Banks meme. I am rooting for you. Not was. I am currently. Right now, I have faith. I believe that whatever you're going through, you can get out. You'll be on the other side. At least that's what I have to tell myself. It's not what I believe most of the time, but it's all temporary as much as it doesn't feel like it. And if you're in a similar position, hopefully you're reminding yourself of the same thing. Even though it feels like it's never ending and even though it feels like, damn... (laughs) When will I ever get out of this rut? But you have to have faith. Anyway, that's it for this long-winded intro. Please enjoy the rest of this episode. Here is Emma and I talking about rejection. you and I don't know how to deal with rejection (laughs) I know but that's an interesting you could put spoiler alert we don't know we're not sure either there's just one time um if we're gonna go on the rejection route that um there was this guy I told you about this but there's this guy that was um dming me and like I wasn't necessarily completely uninterested but I just wasn't completely enthusiastic and then he messaged me and he's like hey like you you leave me on red like quite a bit and I was just wondering like what's that about I was like honestly I don't mean to Uh, it happens a lot like I do it a lot to be honest and I think like it's more noticeable when it's on like Instagram because it says seen I do that all the time like I've done that to you I've done that to Taddy I've done that to Dom like all of my close friends and I I just get like carried away, but I like eventually come back to it and will like respond. Yeah, you responded to me days later on Instagram. (laughs) I'm like, thanks, bro, but you didn't have to. (laughs) I know, I just forget and like, then I feel bad. But yeah, it it wasn't like personal. It's it's more personal than it is like I meant to do it, like malicious, more personal than it is malicious, I guess. And I was like, honestly, I don't mean to, I can't promise that it won't happen again because like, that's just kind of who I am. And like, if you're willing to keep talking, like I do still, I would still like to get to know you. And like, I am sorry that that happened, but again, like, that's just me. And then he blocked me and I was like, wow. 
that's kind of extreme, but also I respect that that's just not what you're looking for. There's this, so. uh, I don't know the exact saying, a co-staff actually said it, but um, you will know when a guy likes you. Like there's no question. And I, the same can be said about girls. Obviously he was saying it to me, someone who's interested in guys. I was going to say for the most part, <laughs> most of the time, um, you will know when somebody likes you, like they will make time for you. They will make an effort. If they're not calling, they're not interested. It's just like really that simple. Oh, but I did want to tell you a bit of a, a story. So I think the last time that I reacted to rejection or what I perceived as rejection, um, the person that I did it to was actually quite he definitely listens to this. He was um, quite respectful about it, uh, more respectful than I thought he was going to be and like just thoughtful and definitely highlighted something to me that I hadn't previously acknowledged, which was, I think you're reacting poorly to this. Like I didn't say no entirely. I just said not now. And like, and like we talked about earlier, it's that need for control and the sense that somebody didn't want me or just getting the feeling that someone maybe didn't want me was just too much for me to bear. And so to try and regain control at some capacity, it was like, well, don't worry about it. I'll just peace out then. That does not, rejection does not pass the vibe check for me. It really doesn't, truly. I am, for me, I think what is most hurtful is seeing somebody be really, really interested in me and then losing it watching them lose interest, which has happened to me quite a bit. And um, it just, it just really hurts. It really stings. And for a lot of the time, it just felt like it was my fault because I can't like, I wasn't as confident as I am now to be like, yo, fuck them. Like, it's definitely their fault. They're missing out on a good thing. It was more like me being really self-deprecating and like, I can't believe that I messed this up again. And that like, if only I was this, or if only I was that, then it would have been better. But I think, yeah, when somebody likes you, you'll, you'll know. And it's the shitty reality because you want people to just like. It's it's a shitty reality because you want the person that you like to like you back, but that's not always going to be the case. I, I don't remember who said this. One like relationship expert was like, well, the second somebody doesn't like me, I'm instantly like turned off. Like that's the biggest turn off to me. What do you mean you don't like me? I'm like, wow, you have a lot of self-love <laughs> to be oh like, oh my God, <laughs> because it's weird how we want that. It's weird how it's like the second somebody starts to reject us, they become just like the forefront of our thoughts and in our mind, like, okay, I need to, it's almost like some kind of conquest. I, I talked about this a little bit in, in like my cheating episode. And for me, the way that I interpret it is as um, when somebody denies you, they become like a, a walking, talking, breathing, personified version of your insecurities. You've just validated why I'm not worthy. You said, I don't want you. And that hits so deep. And if I can get your attention and if I can convince you to want me, I've just squashed my insecurities. I've just conquered them in, in some form, in some way, even though it doesn't make any sense. That's how I have started to rationalize it. Yeah. Wow. That's so, that hit different. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it really is true though, because you, you feel some sort of almost responsibility to gain this attraction back because you feel like you're the common denominator 
Like, I don't like myself. You're starting not to like me. So how can I make it so we can both like me? Oh my God. Because yeah. if you like me, then I'll like me. So it should just be like, I like me. So if you don't, that's fine. Carry on. Yeah. It takes the ownership off of you and how you feel internally, because if you can't yeah. get that external validation, you don't have to do it internally. You don't have to look from within inside yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Which is so shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is so tough. Yeah. And I think that's why people shy away from vulnerability. That's why people don't want to put themselves out there. Yeah. It's, I think it's like so hard to have, I think the hardest relationship, the hardest and longest relationship that you're going to have is the one with yourself. Because like, you think you're learning more about other people. We were talking about this before too. You think you're learning more about other people when you're in a relationship, but really you're learning more about yourself and how you like to be treated and how you didn't like this or how you didn't like that. But oftentimes we mistake that with trying to appease other people. How can I make it so that they like me when really it's, it should be, how can I make it so that I like them? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like reframing this, this mindset of, of, I have to do things to make them like me and just being like, I want to find somebody who will complement my own relationship with myself instead of like, they are my relationship with myself or they are dictating how I feel about myself because you should already feel whole when you're in a relationship. Like you should already be in a good headspace. Yeah. Otherwise it's just going to get tricky and toxic and gross. Oh God. Yeah. There's so many consequences that come from that. If you're not whole and ready and okay with yourself when you get into a relationship, I really wanted to say this in our last episode, but I forgot it, it totally escaped me. Was it our last one? Maybe our first one together, actually sex on the first date. That was our first one. That was the first one. I really wanted to add, maybe we can figure out how this fits in this context, but it's not a compliment when guys want to sleep with you. It's not a compliment. <laughs> feels that way. I think especially like when they reject us at some capacity, when they want to sleep with us. But that for me, I don't know if it hits the same way for you as it does for me. But when I fucking learned that, that just blew my mind because guys will stick their dick in anything. <laughs> Yeah, that hurts my feelings a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm no, it's, it's it's yeah, it is true. I think that it's not a compliment, um, but I think I think it's good to realize that it's not a compliment and not to want sex only as a compliment, only as being a compliment from men. I think that if we only see a one-sided relationship in that. I want to have sex to be complimented by a man, then I think it diminishes the experience more because it shouldn't just be about what the man thinks about you. That's a very kind of like misogynistic framework of sex is that you are there to pleasure the man or that you're there because the man, it'll make you feel better about yourself. I think you should be able to use your body to express like pleasure or express movement or express mm -hmm. I don't know however you view sex however you think sex serves you best mm -hmm. is how you should be viewing it and I don't think it's a really healthy way to view it as a compliment because yeah men will stick their dick in anything so if you think that you're gonna get more out of the relationship 
because they want to fuck you, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. I'm sorry, but you are. I mean, again, like, I think the reason why we think that way or we think that, like, we're there to pleasure men is because sex almost always stops. Well, it does stop. They, (laughs) you know? And I've never understood that. Like, okay, so you have, that's fine. If like your body is now out of commission in that regard, but what about everything else that you can do? You know, what's funny, actually, I, this is a bit of a side story, but it reminds me of, I was serving a customer, it was just the other day on Monday. And um, what happened? Like, I think that they dropped something, like they dropped their credit card, they're going to pay. And they dropped it. I hadn't even touched it. I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry. He's like, don't apologize. Women are apologizing and taking responsibility for men, especially when they don't need to. Your body is not an apology. In the wise words of Sonia Renee Taylor, your body is not an apology. Um, and I tell that to my friends all the time. Anytime anyone like apologizes, I'm like, no. Don't, you don't have to apologize. I would rather like you thank me for something than you apologizing for something because it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, exactly. I'm also- it reminds me of something I, I saw a post. It was, um, it was actually from, from Debbie, Debbie Griggs, um, who I know you're very familiar with. <laughs> like talk about her all the time. Um, but she, she did a post and it said something like, instead of saying, I'm sorry for being late, say thank you for waiting for me so just like what you said instead of apologizing i'd rather someone thank me for something yes yeah yeah and um i also am just like because i used to apologize all the time everything was my fault and i think that distorts your sense of self in the sense of like you know everything that happens to you is because you deserve it mm-hmm. so you having to assume this responsibility of the bad things happening to you it kind of like fucks with your brain and you're like oh shit, like, am I a bad person? I used to think that all the time, like, am I a bad person? Do I deserve all of these bad things that are happening to me? But the more that you allow good things to happen, the more that you see that you actually do deserve them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been a, a fucking tough journey to get there, but I'm finally like, I, I tell my friends, I'm like, you don't have to apologize because in another way of comparing this, like, would you want me to apologize if something like this happened? Because she would, my friend would apologize for chewing really loudly or like eating really fast. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, would you want me to apologize for eating really fast or chewing really loudly? And she's like, no, oh my God, absolutely not. It's like, so then you don't have to apologize on behalf of yourself. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you genuinely don't. So there are certain things that I would love apologies for, but then there's also times where they're not necessary. So I just want my friends to know, like, you don't have to be, you don't have to be sorry for just existing Yeah. because, you know, your body is not an apology. You mm-hmm. don't need that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of like what you alluded to earlier. It was just, um, you know, when you're in that mindset, it starts getting to the point where it's like, well, I, do I deserve this? Am I a bad person? And um I mean, it affects your your life in other ways and something where I feel like it's affected me and where I'm trying to, I guess, recover from is learning how to accept. That's a big thing. Um, Being like, no, no, no. Like, I guess coming from that same place of worthiness, like, am I worthy of accepting? No, I'm not. I'm not worthy of accepting it. So I would deny, deny, deny and never allow anyone to give me something that they wanted to give me like I was just like no no no, keep that like I don't don't worry about it I'm an independent woman this and that and you can still be independent without um 
without denying the gifts that people want to give you or the help that people want to give you. And so now it's just, it's such an uncomfortable experience being like, okay, you want to buy this? You want to take me here? You want to help me? You want to whatever, whatever. It's just like, what the fuck? I hate this feeling. I hate it. I hate being in the receiving position because if I associate it with weakness, but it's not whole new world, whole new world. Dazzling place. Anyways, um, (laughs) uh, there was this, I don't know why specifically what you were uh, talking about reminded me of this TikTok, but there's this TikTok I saw about- I, I love TikTok. I find such great content there. It really is a for me page because all of these things I'm like, wow, you fucking go off, man. Love TikTok. Um, I saw this girl talking about how, um, about her relationship with the universe, I guess, and how she's like, you are on a journey and you're in the car with like whoever you believe in with like your spirits, your, you know, whatever whatever it is that you think guides you on your path to life, you're in a car with them and you have the destination set. So you have a GPS and you're, you put where you're going, but you don't get to pick the pit stops. You don't get to pick the people that you meet along the way. You don't get to pick who you pick up. You don't get to pick who you drop off, but you've made the decision that this is where you're going. And I, I don't know. I think like coming to this journey and like, realizing that this is your path and this is what you need to accept and this is what you need to deny is all a part of this process of like coming to terms with like I don't get to pick there needs to be a balance between what you can and can't control I don't even know how it related but I just thought it that it was relevant I love that I am very reluctant when it comes to TikTok probably because like my for you page is not (laughs) nearly as enlightened um but I really do like that And that's something that I try to tell other people as well. That's something I try to tell myself is that, you know, this journey, like who's to say, like, how, how do I want to say this? Like, why am I so lucky or why am I so deserving to have everything go according to my plan and my way and this route? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm nobody, like, I'm not that special. Like life just is, There, there are those high points, those low points, those up and downs. And that's the, the beauty of life, all of this is such a fucking cliche. I do like that car analogy. It really resonated with me and it helped me to um, kind of let go of a lot of stress and anxiety that I had about like a bunch of circumstances in my life. It just teaches you that um, me being somebody who really likes planning out things, like I think last year when I first started talking to my therapist, I told her like my five-year plan and um she's like why are you it was no it was more like a 10-year plan because it was like my master's my phd and then my job me opening my own practice and she's like okay well it sounds like the place that you're volunteering at now is offering you a job as long as you get your master's degree so why are you like focusing on your phd and getting the most amount of like education and working really really hard if you already have somewhere that wants you i was like i don't know just in case (laughs) like I want to know everything I want to make sure that I know everything so I don't make any mistakes and she's like you're not gonna ever know anything and I was like don't say that (laughs) don't say that to me no no Mm -hmm. so it's it's just really comforting to have um both a front seat and back seat 
perspective of how you choose to live your life because a lot of the times like you're like I don't deserve this why is this happening to me but then it's just like let those thoughts come and go like you can't control everything you choose what's important and what you can control and then how you react and how you view what these mean is going to be entirely in your control Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about my own life and like this, I guess, loss of control and currently being in a place where I feel so out of control and trying to remind myself that like that is, again, just part of life and that's okay. And as long as you don't give up, like who's to say that you aren't going to get what you want anyways, or, or I really like this saying, if not this, then better. And I like that because it, it takes away from you know, the need to have this plan go exactly accordingly, like, like we just discussed. Um, And instead of having it go exactly your way, if you just believe or have faith that if it's not this, then it's going to be something better, then you can relinquish control because sometimes what you what you need, or the better option, so to so to speak is right underneath your nose, it's right there, it's in front of your face. And we're so focused on well, it has to be like x, y and z. And if it's not like x, y and z, then it's not good, then it's not worthy, then I'm not worthy, then I should give up when you know, we could be denying an opportunity that's just so much better, that's so much grander than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, I saw something as well that was similar and it said the universe has three answers. Yes, not yet, and I have something better. And that has also shown me a lot of comfort because like you said about rejection, it's really hard to um, put yourself in a position where you're like, I don't deserve this. Or why is it that all of the things in my life are going so wrong? I feel like I'm a bad person and I feel like nothing that I want, I'm getting. But when you put it into perspective where it's like, okay, but what if, if you had this and there was something better, but you couldn't access it because you got this thing, would you still want it? Mm-hmm. And most of the times it's no. So you just have to be patient and trust in yourself and trust in whatever you believe in. Yeah. So it's a really... Um, it's also been something that's really helped me to find comfort in discomforting events and situations that have been protruding my brain. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to look back on past situations and see exactly what we're talking about? Like where you wanted something so bad and you're like, well, it has to be like this. This is, this is going to go with my plan. And then when it didn't, and you're pissed off about it, but then something better came along, you know, like the cla- like one door closes, another one opens. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that has happened to me. Um, it was, it's, this was like a pivotal moment in my life where I think I was maybe 16 or 17. And I'm not sure if I've told you the story before, but I was really young, super impressionable. And my mom had signed me up for this talent agency it was called IMTA and a lot of Disney stars got started on it and there was a seminar and then there was an audition and then there's a second audition and then once you got through the second audition then you would go to New York and you would showcase yourself to a bunch of producers and they would set you up with your career thus far so I auditioned and I got through to the second round of auditions and the lady 
um, recorded me as I was auditioning. She's like, do you mind if I, she's like, stop, I want to record you. And I was like, okay. And so then she recorded me and she's like, I sent you your video to a bunch of producers in California and they're all really excited. They think that you're an amazing vocalist. Like, like we have like really great things for you. And I was like, oh my God, as like a 16, 15 year old, it was like, this is it, like big, this is really big. She's like, yes, we're going to send you through to the next round of auditions. So she sent me through to the next round of auditions and it's singing and acting. I don't think there was any dancing. I don't think I would have gone through if there was any dancing, especially at that point. Um, so it was singing and acting. And she was telling me how, um, you know, if you're going to be in this industry, you're going to need to like maybe go into acting. Maybe you're going to be like a Hannah Montana type of deal, right? And so you have to be open to that. So uh, she gave me the script and I think I did okay. I wasn't as confident as I am now, but I really, really wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I got through to the third, to the second round of auditions. We're like, we want to send you to New York, um, but you know, you're going to have to lose some weight. You're going to have to cover your tattoos. These Jewish producers aren't going to like this unconventional look. So like before you take off, before you go to New York, these are the things that you're going to have to work on. And it was really tough to hear those stuff, especially as like a kid who, um, like I wasn't overweight at the time. Uh, and I had struggled with my weight a lot throughout my life. I was like, Adam, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't as upset as I was previously. And as also just, yeah, as a kid, I don't want to be told that like your dreams are based on how desirable or yeah unconventional you look and uh so I was just I was just like excited seeing the world through rose petaled glass rose colored glasses and I was like okay yeah yeah I'll do anything I'll do anything and then they were like we also need ten thousand dollars and then that was the breaking point because we could not afford that at that time and so we were trying to ask people who we knew if we could borrow the money and nobody had the money to really just scrounge up it's ten thousand dollars a lot of money and so that kind of crushed my dream a little bit was that like I was so close to being um a superstar to doing what I wanted to do my whole life to being a singer being famous it's like fame and fortune that's like what everybody wants right um but I think it was a good lesson for me because I don't think I would have liked the person I would have become because now I was able to go to university. I spent like $10,000 in university. So it's not even just about the money. Like I spent that money throughout my life, but it's just like now I'm a more educated person. Now I can see these like oppressive forms of media representation that I had to look and act a certain way in order to be acceptable in the mainstream media which was really which is really unnerving to me now but as like a young impressionable teen I was like this is just the way it is and like I'm just gonna have to accept it if that's what I want but being open this opportunity of having a space to critically analyze and uh, work to overcome these oppressive systems I think has been the door that was opened thus far is that now I can achieve my dreams in a more um, fulfilling, 
fulfilling yeah absolutely in a more fulfilling way and I feel like I like the way that my life has panned out and I don't know if I would have had as much control in my life if I were to choose that route even though you know if I had that money I don't know what would have like what would have happened to me I don't know where I would be I don't know if like and there's all these like movie stars and teen stars that um are coming out of being really abused in that industry for similar reasons is that like they were taken advantage of and that they couldn't be who they really truly wanted to be whereas I was allowed the opportunity to pursue things that felt more meaningful to me and to be authentically myself so now if I want to create a presence for myself the doors are much more open than they were a couple of years ago and I can do it on my own terms as opposed to sacrificing how I want to be represented based on a stereotypical acceptable conventional codified image mm -hmm. yeah I mean at that point I like it is a cliche, but but really, what is money? If you have to sacrifice who you are, if to if you have to give up part of your identity for money, like that shit is just not sustainable. I mean, it's such a temporary fix. It's it's such a temporary high. I've never, even with the things that I have gotten with money, like it's it doesn't fix how lonely I feel inside, the lack of connection that I have. Um, you know, it doesn't fix my needs, my need to be desired or, or to be wanted or to be loved or to be nurtured. Like it doesn't address any of those things. I mean, maybe I look better. <laughs> maybe I have some kind of like cool new gadget or, or whatever the fuck, but it's not like any of that really matters at the end of the day. I keep thinking Justin Bieber's song, Lonely, keeps playing in my head. <laughs> you know, I'm so fucking, whatever. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, I think it's less about money and more about what you do with that money. If I had spent this $10,000 on this talent agency, who would I be in contrast to the $10,000 that went towards my university education? It was definitely more than $10,000, but just the similar sum of money that I spent towards my education it gave me it opened so many new doors for me now I work as a research assistant for two of my favorite professors doing such meaningful work that's like impossibly better than me sacrificing myself and you know what other people wanted from me so yeah. Well, I don't have a story as good as that. <laughs> uh, hmm. No, definitely. I don't know. I'm trying to think in terms of rejection or that it was never going to be as good because I didn't get what it is that I wanted. I don't know. Yeah. That's like the biggest, that was one of the biggest moments of my life probably was um, that like your dreams are so close but look at what you have to do. Like at what cost? I mean, literally, but also figuratively. Yeah. You know, the price of you and your self-worth and your, you know, identity. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, um, I met this for my birthday. One of my friends brought me to a Caliuchis concert. I don't know if you know Caliuchis. Never heard of him. She's a, she's a singer. I love her. And so she bought us meet and greet tickets Oh for God. our birthday we were both I think she's the 27th and I'm the 28th mm -hmm. and then when we met her we uh I asked her I was like what would, what advice would you give an aspiring musician and she's like always be yourself don't do anything under anyone else's terms and I was like 
You're right. You're really right. And that that stayed with me because like, you know, she's like this big artist and I really um, saw her succeed and grow. And for her to say something that like really haunted me at night was, should I have done that? Like, what would my life have been like if it, if I just had the money or if I just like, because the only thing that really held me back was not having that $10,000. And then we also had to pay for airfare and hotels and whatever. So it was just like me feeling like I had to commodify my own talent in order for me to truly make it in the industry that I wanted to really tore me down. And also this like sense of self that I had to look and act a certain way that I couldn't just authentically be myself and succeed kind of distorted again how I felt about my own talent my own value and so hearing that really it really meant a lot to me mm-hmm. and I, I won't do it on anyone else's terms now yeah I mean like I think a lot of people are willing to give up a part of their identity for something I mean a lot of really smart ass people talk about this I'm just thinking back to Brene Brown of course I mean she's queen <laughs> but you know talking about like if we it's like dangling that carrot right in front of your face like what are you going to do for it what do you want to do what are you willing to give up what are you willing to sacrifice I mean not just with your dreams but there are so many different um, areas of your life that people are willing to give up to challenge to change to modify to get what they want Uh, for me number one it's probably been um, relationships just because they haven't had an opportunity like that in front of my face I, honestly, if I were in your position, I probably would have fucking, <laughs> I probably would have done whatever it took to be like, no, I need this. Like, I have to, I have to do it a lot. Like, and just done crazy shit. If it were, you know, I don't think I would have been as able to, I don't know, reconcile with that. Like, I was already thinking, like, if somebody told me that I had to lose weight, like all of the really unhealthy diet tactics that I would have to learn and have to have to start doing so I could fit this version and how willing especially at like 15 16 oh my god no problem I would have done it in a heartbeat I would have started right then and there doing like sit-ups or something (laughs) um it's a huge cash grab because these are especially since it's such young people it's not like a 20 it's not catered to a 20 year olds or 30 year old 20 year old people that can support themselves it was pretty much kids almost exclusively kids I think the cutoff was 18 so it was essentially asking the parents how much are you willing to give up to support your child's dreams which is hugely exploitative in the sense that obviously every parent is going to want to scrounge up this ten thousand dollars and just at the time we couldn't afford it and I mean I'm glad we couldn't because I wouldn't be the person or brain that I am today and I wouldn't know the things that I know now if it wasn't for me not being able to afford that Oh yeah. I mean, I think if you can reach that point in your life, if you can look back on the things that you didn't get and be like, I'm okay. I'm okay without it. I'm glad that that didn't happen. If you can look back on the rejection and the heartache and be like, nope, this has brought me to who I am today. That is such a success. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely look back at, at, um, a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil and feel that way for the most part. I mean, like I said, I'm definitely going through a rough patch right now, but but it's impossible not to go through rough patches. And all you can do is acknowledge that this is a rough patch and that this is a low point. And I remember 
when I called you a while ago and I was like, I feel like I'm on an uphill trajectory, but at this point, I, I don't know why I can't get out of this like rut that I'm in. And then you drew me a graph and you're like, see, you're going up here, but then you also have like, there's like a low point and a high point, but it's still going upwards. So you're still doing okay. So that gave me, I honestly, took that drawing that you sent to me and I drew it in my journal and I was like this is where I'm going and this is how it's it's going in my life and like I shouldn't be so discouraged because I'm still going up there's just obviously bumps in the road and those are just inevitable they're gonna happen and you're just gonna have to deal with them because it's an unrealistic viewpoint to think that there is only an uphill battle that you're going to reach in your life or that you're gonna go through in your life that's so funny. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I think that's going to be maybe the cover art for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it, learned something. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Hey20s on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Hey20s Podcast. But until next time, stay happy, stay healthy. Bye.